You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. And you thought I loved Garrett Cole already. Oh, yeah. What's the term Dave Gettleman used? Uh, was it full-blown love? Yeah, there was some full-blown love yesterday. Hey, off and running on this uh, Thursday, December 19th. Got it right today. This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Whole lot's going on. Whole lot to do. One hour to do so. So let's run through it all on this Thursday edition. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question is up. We'll get to that in a minute. But let's start with yesterday. The Yankees and their introduction of Garrett Cole. Shaving his haircut out of the way. Kind of looked like a completely different guy, didn't he? It's amazing the difference a beard makes. But Garrett Cole got his first taste of life as a member of the New York Yankees. And over the past couple of years, there has been a term that has been created. I don't feel like it's any older than a couple of years. But that term is winning the press conference. Have you heard this one before? This person won the press conference, they say. I remember people telling me, Dave Gettleman. I was on the air that day when the Giants had their press conference to introduce Dave Gettleman. And a lot of the takes were, well, he won the press conference. Just as well, because they haven't won a whole lot of anything outside of press conferences since then. But it's a silly term, right? I mean, we all know it's kind of a silly term. Really doesn't mean anything. Basically, all it means is you did not trip all over your, basically your own feet and you got out of your own way and just, you know, didn't look like a complete boob at the, the press conference. Really, it's not about winning the press conference. Really, it should be you didn't lose the press conference. Because if you do anything that we are talking about rather than, you know, the same things we talk about after press conferences, you lost. So if you're Ben McAdoo and you show up wearing a suit that makes you look like the lead singer of the Talking Heads, you lost the press conference. If you show up like Adam Gase with all the memes afterwards going around about him, his, his stare, his eyes, you lost the press conference. Now, even that doesn't really matter because... All it matters is whether or not you win games. And if you win games, well, then that, that the press conference that you lost, it's just a little side story, a little side note. So Ben McAdoo, when he goes out the first year and wins 11 games, no one's talking about his giant suit, which was uh, an odd look. I have to uh, I remember that one clear as day. Very, very odd. But I will say, if anyone ever did win a press conference, and I think it's a silly term, I think it was Garrett Cole yesterday, prepared, confident, relaxed, intense without being tense, seemed just at home as you could possibly be, just on point. It's a move that gets you excited as a fan. And when you get to see him interact with the media and and bring all those qualities to it, I think you're excited as well. Here's Garrett Cole yesterday on why he decided to join the Yankees. Because it's it was my dream. I, I had a second opportunity to chase it, and it's the best organization, uh, in my opinion, in the league. There's a there's a process here that Brian spoke to and that he just alluded to a couple minutes ago about trying to bring the best people uh, at each individual position to surround everybody with the best opportunity to succeed. Um, I think they've demonstrated that uh, certainly through Brian's uh, tenure over the last two decades. So it instills a lot of confidence as a player when you hear those things. And it doesn't hurt to play for your favorite team. 
All right, so there's Garrett Cole. And these press conferences sometimes do get a bit, uh, a bit silly. They're a little redundant, right? If you've seen one, you've kind of seen them all. But yesterday, there were a lot of interesting takes, a lot of interesting articles. The Athletic has one about the Yankees' process of going through their pursuit of Garrett Cole. And Scott Boris, as they were on the verge of making their offer, Scott Boris telling Brian Cashman to the Yankees, hold off for a day or two. There is going to be a piece of news that comes out that will alter your approach in this pursuit. And, of course, that news was the contract signed by Steven Strasburg. It seemed like at the time, beforehand, there were reports the Yankees were going to offer seven years, 245. Once Steven Strasburg got that, two years older than Garrett Cole, you knew the Yankees were going to have to up their offer. So you can certainly uh, look at that article on The Athletic. But a lot of interesting things. But it, it seems silly to me when I see these press conferences. By now, you've probably seen enough of them. That everything that gets credited at the press conference is all secondary. The reason why Garrett Cole is a Yankee is not because he grew up as a Yankee fan. It's not because of some bottle of wine that they handed him. It's not because of some gizmo, some contraption they had with the iPad, which I, I got to see this thing. I, I'd love to see. I've heard more talk about it. It's like some sort of robot the Yankees have created. That would be awesome. Uh, it's not Andy Pettit. It's not all the things that they talk about yesterday. It's the fact that the Yankees offered him nine years and $324 million. It would almost be as if you have a friend, right? Your friend buys a new house and they have a bunch of people over and they're showing you the house and they're pointing out the bathroom. Oh, it's got a master suite and this big eating kitchen. Meanwhile, the house is on fire and you're the only one who sees it. The house, no, the, the house is on fire. No, the reason you signed with the Yankees is because they gave you nine years and 324. And there's nothing wrong with that. Be proud of it. I would be. But all those things are secondary. And the, the money aspect, nobody ever says, I came here because it was about the money. It's a lot of money. So I'm not going to hold Garrett Cole to a different standard. But yesterday was exciting. You don't get a second chance to make a great first impression, and he certainly did that. So now Cole can go out, and, and I'll say this. I know the Yankees uh, conduct media training for their players, right? You've heard about this in the past, what to say, what not to say. I think it's pretty clear that Garrett Cole really doesn't need that and almost should be now part of the curriculum, if it is a curriculum, I don't know how they go about it, uh, of the video of showing you how to interact with the media, being engaging, being interesting, and yet uh, hitting on all the points that you want to hit. They could let that video play from yesterday because once that that press conference was done, first thing I did was, how many days until February 14th? That's generally when pitchers and catchers get together down in Florida. And just so you know, it's 57 days. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. The other big story from last night, maybe you missed this because you might have been sleeping. Tom Coughlin out in Jacksonville. Fired a couple of days. I'm sure maybe you did see it, maybe you didn't. The NFLPA put out a letter warning players about the Jacksonville franchise because of the amount of fines that they hand down to players. It's just excessive. And the owner, uh, Shad Khan, put out a statement saying essentially that he was going to do this and clear house and fire Tom Coughlin after the season. But once this player, uh, once the uh, PA letter made it public and got around, he decided to make it now. Obviously, Tom Coughlin is going to be in the Hall of Fame. You win two Super Bowls as a head coach. I always felt like he got a little bit too much credit for what went on in Jacksonville. I mean, he basically showed up, and yeah, they they won that year. 
But I think a lot of the groundwork was was laid the year previously and drafts previously. He wasn't the head coach. He wasn't uh, the the GM. He got there after they didn't do anything for a long time, and they had a bunch of players that were good players. But uh, I don't think that it was just him coming in there and saying, you know, uh, all the, 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 the rules that he instituted that got things turned around as much as it was the work of the, of the coach and uh, of the, the GM. And I'm sure this is not going to be the only change that Jacksonville, and really what it does show you is just how fast things do change in the NFL. That it's here today, and a lot of times it's gone the same day. I mean, think about it. Think about being a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. 2017, after, I don't think that they won even five games in the previous, like, three or four or five years prior to 2017. And then 2017, they have this amazing year. Everything seems to come together. They have a lead at halftime of the AFC title game against the Patriots. I think they had a 10-point lead even at the start of the fourth quarter. But they were dominating that game. They were up 14-3. Patriots scored a touchdown right before halftime, I'm pretty sure, to cut it to 14-10. But then I think that they I think they were leading like 20 to 10 early fourth or something like that. They had a 10 point lead in the second half. And you're thinking, all right, this team is is going to the Super Bowl. I mean, how could you not think it? This young, aggressive defense. And if you were projecting from that point forward, you would have thought, you know what, this team's going to be good for years, right? Defense travels. But then since then, it's just been a disaster, one thing after another. It was a quarterback at first. They went out and got Nick Foles. You think, all right, you match Nick Foles with that defense, they're going to be a contender next year. I certainly did. I thought that they were going to be able to get back, maybe not to where they were, but I didn't even expect all that much out of Nick Foles. I just thought, hey, as long as he's not Blake Bortles, they're going to be a pretty good team, and it has just not worked out, and now it's going to be teardown time again. So the windows of opportunity, I say this a lot, they usually close a whole lot faster than you think. And, and what's next for Tom Coughlin? Well, his agent says that he's got a lot of football left. He's 73. It's kind of hard to envision, especially after the way things have gone. I know it always ends poorly, otherwise it wouldn't end. But it's kind of hard to envision a scenario where Tom Coughlin is going to go to some other organization. I don't think he can – I think coaching is kind of, you know, 73 years old. You're going to hand over the reins of the team to a coach. I think it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a younger man's game at this point. Could I see the Giants bringing him back in some advisory role, I guess, some consultant role, I guess. But I think with the way he left – I don't think that he's a guy that generally forgets very easily, and it didn't seem like I sure remember that press conference of Tom Coughlin basically like walking right out the door and right past John Mara. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. So lots of stuff to do. We have to get into the Jets and Steelers. It's already week 16. It's, It's crazy. It felt like it was just September yesterday. But week 16, the Jets and Steelers, uh, Manish Mehta had a very interesting article a couple of days ago that we have not gotten a chance to touch on. We did so just briefly, but there's, there's another point that I want to make about that. If you're a Giant fan and you know that you are going to have a different coach next season, one of the names that has been floated has been Matt Rule. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a Giant fan, but that one is very interesting to me because I'm selfish. And I'll explain why I want him to be the head coach. But why it certainly doesn't sound like he's going to be the head coach. So we'll play some interesting sound. Matt Rule was on Adam Schefter's podcast. So 
if you're thinking that he's a guy that could be the Giants' next head coach, I think that um, you might want to think again. And last night was the ESPN Christmas party. Now, much like last year, Keith King, producer at the time, he went to the party, didn't show up for work. He also did not show up for work today, but he no longer works here. So it does, it's not really that big of a deal. Brian, our new producer, did not go. Bang, he's here today, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. So good. already you have one thing over Chris King, Brian. Good job. But I can now – I know I said I was not going to go back to this, but last night I saw Don LaGreca. And we're talking, and obviously, what did the conversation eventually get to? The Irishman. I can tell you, I can now claim victory. I can claim victory over the great Don LaGreca. I can't believe that. It's true. It's 100% true. I am not lying. I will tell you what happened coming up. It's the Gordon Dammer Show. Oh, and the poll question. I didn't even mention the poll question. So yesterday, obviously, the big Garrett Cole shindig, right? Yankees show off their new shiny toy, and Hal Steinbrenner comes out and says, we need to now win some championships. Not one, championships, multiple titles. So the poll question today, do the Yankees need to win multiple titles to justify signing Garrett Cole to the the contract they did? We gave you three options today. A, absolutely, yes. B, no, one is all you need. C, no, he needs to pitch just like an ace. He just has to go out there and be who Garrett Cole has been. If the Yankees don't win, that doesn't really affect what the contract is. So I'll explain uh, the answer coming up. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Our poll question up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is uh, about the Yankees yesterday going out and uh, introducing Garrett Cole. And certainly an exciting day if you're a Yankee fan. Like what you want in the offseason is moves to get you pumped up for the season, right? If you're, it's not saying that you, if your team doesn't make the big blockbuster move, that your team is necessarily going to have a bad year, but you, you're looking for things to hold on to during the cold, snowy winter. And yesterday was a perfect example. This terrible day, the, that squall that came through at about 4.30 or so, where you think it's the end of the world. And then you got Garrett Cole answering every question and doing so in a way that makes you pumped up to get to pitchers and catchers, which is about a couple of months away. So our poll question was something that Hal Steinbrenner said, that the Yankees need to now go out and win multiple championships. And do you think the Yankees need to do that to justify the Cole sign? Now, I don't think that he was necessarily tying one to the other, but I don't buy this this whole thing. Oh, you got to win. I know that this has been a popular thing with a lot of people since Cole signed this record deal. I don't really care about what the the money total is that much. Uh, I think that Garrett Cole is going to pitch, and we we gave you the numbers. Other guys at this level have gone out and justified the contracts they've been given. And if you look at what their production has been over the similar ages of uh, maybe uh, Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer, they have justified whatever their teams are paying them. Scherzer more than uh, Verlander, I'm pretty sure. And I think that Garrett Cole will justify this just fine. But in terms of how many championships they need to win, win one. If you win one, nobody is going to complain. Now, it can't just be that you win one and then the team is bad. But the Yankees haven't been bad basically since 1992. So if it turns out you win one, you get close a couple of times, I don't think anybody is going to be sitting here five years down the road saying, man, they really shouldn't have signed Garrett Cole. 
Maybe in the moment they will because we're fickle and we just want to win every single year. But when you look back, when you look back on 2009 and the, the signings the Yankees made then, even ones that didn't really work out, like A.J. Burnett. If I told you to go back to 2009 and I showed you how A.J. Burnett would pitch for the life of his contract, but the fact that you got a World Series and he was a, he was a key contributor to it, would you still make the deal? Yes, you would. So if the Yankees go out this year and they win the World Series and Garrett Cole pitches like Garrett Cole, I think that's going to justify the contract. I don't think you need multiple championships. That's great. I'm not saying that you don't hope to win multiple championships. Brian Cashman has said that in the past about trading away prospects, that he's not just looking to win one, he's looking to win multiple ones. And I don't think it's fair to say the third answer is uh, he just needs to be an ace. That might be true of other teams, but I don't think that's true of the, of the Yankees. The Yankees are a different different animal. And it would be disingenuous to to kind of make it out like, well, no, you just judge them like everybody else. No, they don't get judged like everybody else. They're different. They're the Yankees. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's get to uh, Sal as in Aberdeen. Sal, what's going on, my man? Hey, how you doing, Gordon? Happy holidays to you, Same to you. You know, I I hate these dog and pony shows with, with this. If the Dodgers or Anaheim would offer him ten and three fifty, he'd be well. Absolutely, about always loved L.A. Country. This is home, right? That's right, all the things exactly. I'd be saying. You know, it, this is this is where I want to be. I mean, he'd play for a team on the moon if they offered him enough money. Exactly. I mean, it's it's just it just drives me nuts. I mean, uh, and the same thing with the sign. You're going to tell me he held onto that sign for twenty years? Oh, I, you, I, I, you I think it's a fake sign? I think it's a fake sign. Oh, I don't think that. I, I don't. I don't. I, that would be very, very odd. The Yankees got billions of dollars. You don't think they can make a sign up like no, that? No, I mean I'm sure oh. they can, but you, then you're saying they're they're lying. I mean, who do you think they are? The Houston Astros? I mean, come on. <laughs> and what the, I mean, the only other good thing is though we got to see. I mean, he, he does have a very attractive wife, so you know that yeah, was one. He, he's done very well for himself in life. In life, yeah. he checks all the boxes. Let's put it that I way. I mean, he she's, does no, very well. she's no Debbie Duhame, but you know she's who is she's right. No, who right. <laughs> All right, Gordon. All right, Sal. Thanks, man. Um, 1-800-919-ESPN. No, I mean, look, Eric Cole, he, that was as about as excited as you could get for um, a press conference and everything else. And I kind of agree with him. I think it is, you know, once the games start, it'll be long forgotten. And it's the one thing that we can kind of look at and judge right now and and, and be focused on. But in the in the grand scheme of things, it was a day that, uh, if you're a Yankee fan, definitely does get you excited. And I thought he made, he did as good a job of making a first impression as you can. But at the end of the day, these press conferences, they fade from your memory very fast. Uh, as I said, I remember being on the air the day that Dave Gettleman had his press conference with the Giants. There was a lot of tough talk. Tom Coughlin was another one. Tom Coughlin, when he came in, his press conference, he was talking about oh, injuries are an excuse because they had been injured a lot under uh, Jim Fossil. Injuries are an excuse. It's a state of mind. Let's be honest. And what's funny is the first couple of years under Con- Tom Coughlin, Giants were, were uh, dealt with a lot of injuries. So it's great to have all this big talk. And it wasn't like Garrett Cole had a lot of big talk yesterday. But um, it's a fun day if you're a fan because you're looking for something to kind of get you through the long winter, and yesterday certainly did that. Certainly did that. Uh, all right, so the Jets. I, I, I've been trying to get to this point for the last couple of days, so let's get to it right now. I think it was Wednesday. Manish Mehta of the Daily News had an article that hit on something I think a lot of people are, are kind of noticing, and it's kind of popped up here. It's kind of developed over the course of the year. I don't think that it was something you said coming into the year, but people have noticed the number of players that are flourishing around the NFL – that did not play as well 
as when they were coached by Adam Gase. The headliner of that obviously would be Ryan Tannehill, who has played this year far better than he ever did in Miami. Far better than he ever did with Adam Gase. Now, he was hurt the last couple of years with Adam Gase, and that kind of altered the plan. So maybe you credit his health. Maybe he would have taken that step forward anyway. But I don't look, I don't think anybody, including the Tennessee Titans, thought that Ryan Tannehill was going to play like this. There was no expectations for that. And yet he has gone to Tennessee and now he, he wasn't playing at the beginning of the season. And who knows? Maybe if he had been playing at the beginning of the season and has played like this, Tennessee would be in a lot better shape in, in terms of definitely knowing they were going to the playoffs. But Ryan Tannehill, for when he has played, has played like an MVP candidate. Now, he hasn't played in all the games, so that he's not going to be in that conversation. And with what Lamar Jackson has done, nobody's really going to be in that conversation. But okay, let's put Ryan Tannehill aside. That's one example. But I think that's the, the most glaring one because, A, he's played the best out of all these guys that we're going to list. And quarterback is supposed to be the area where Adam Gase was the expert. The next guy I think you would have to put on that list is Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker is having a career year. He was a first-round pick. I think it was the 13th overall, 14th, somewhere in the middle of the first round out of Louisville. He was a player, while Gase and he were in Miami, who was constantly in and out of the doghouse. Constant talk that he was going to be traded. He was being shopped. He was hurt a bit. This year, he looks like the number one that he was drafted to be. He's having career highs in catches, yards, touchdowns. He has eight touchdowns with Ryan Fitzpatrick as his quarterback. He's got eight touchdowns in the games this year. He had six touchdowns in 39 games previously. Maybe you can pass that off. Oh, it's a contract year. He's just performing for the contract. Now that he's got the contract, he'll go back to being the inconsistent player that he's always been. Maybe. Then you have Kenyon Drake. It was always a popular topic of fans of Miami. Why don't the Dolphins get this guy more involved? Every time he seems like he touches the ball, he makes good things happen. Not a ton of talent on those teams, although maybe we, they had more, a lot more talent than we knew, right? If the quarterback was, is, could have played like this and the, the wide receiver could have played like this, boy, all of a sudden it looks a whole lot different. But there were a lot of games where Kenyon Drake wouldn't even get double-digit carries. Mike Geisicki, he's the tight end, looked like a complete bust last year under Adam Gase. Could not really get involved in any consistent fashion. Now, to give him a pass for that, I would say, all right, maybe it's just a progression. Rookie year to second year, that takes some development time. A tight end, okay. Tight ends generally don't come in and light the world on fire. Some do, but most don't. It usually takes a year or two. So maybe you give him a pass on that one. Now, Manish focused solely on the offense, but if he want, I mean, Adam Gase is the head coach. He's not just the offensive head coach. He's the, the whole head coach. There's another one that he left out. Jordan Phillips was a second-round pick who was constantly in and out of the doghouse. Flash potential, kind of like Drake, kind of like Parker, but nothing consistent. And he was outright released by the team. Didn't like his attitude, didn't like his inconsistency, didn't get a, nothing. And he was a second-round pick. You know how bad you have to be to get released as a second-round pick? 
I think he was in year three with the team. So he's a second-round pick and only makes it through not even the full three years. He goes to Buffalo, gets claimed on waivers. This year in Buffalo, he has nine and a half sacks. Now, in his time in Miami, he was supposed to have this questionable work ethic. Miami just could not could not get him on board, was not reachable. Couldn't get him properly motivated. But what has, it has shown, I don't know what's different in Buffalo than in Miami, he clearly was reachable. He clearly had the talent that he did not just flash at times. Again, I'm not saying that he's an all-world player. His pro football focus overall grade is not great. But he's a guy who has provided nine and a half sacks in a defense that's pretty good. And Phillips was one of, if not the most outspoken critic of Gase. Now, each one of those guys, again, I gave you it. I tried to give you both sides of the coin. Can you point to, well, you know what? Tannehill was hurt a lot. Yeah. Could you point to Parker's in a contract? Yeah, maybe. But boy, the, that's, that's, what did that give you? Five guys? Six guys? That's six guys that all are playing significantly better now that they are away from the head coach. That to me does not bode all that well for the head coach. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. I know what people will say. Well, as a head coach, it has to be your way or the highway, right? You have to get on board with what the program is. Otherwise, we're going to cast you aside. Well, the problem is, is that generally when you're talking about the good teams, there's not going to be that huge a, a gap in, in terms of, of talent, right? There's not going to be the, the, a huge talent discrepancy between teams. So you have to be able to maximize the talent that you have and get more out of them than the next guy. And what these examples show is that Adam Gase, like if I think this is a, a common criticism, if everything's going right and everything's going according to plan, it's fine. But as soon as something deviates from that, as soon as a guy is a little inconsistent or shows a little immaturity or, or doesn't show, it has to also be about reaching those guys and getting the most out of them. And I think it's pretty clear. I will give you, you know, the the the, the caveats. But I think it's pretty clear with the amount of examples that you have right there that uh, it can't be all on the each and every one of the players. Sometimes it's got to be on the coach as well. Why didn't you get it out of them uh, as opposed to whatever whatever other team did? And, and at least in terms of uh, Parker, I mean, he's playing with about as, as bad a, a talent that you could have. I mean, Dolphins were one of the two teams that didn't have any pro bowlers at all. And again, as I said, he's got eight touchdowns this year with Ryan Fitzpatrick as his quarterback. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Pressure is a privilege. Pressure comes in in situations that you've earned, right? You know, you pitch in big games in September and October because you've played well all year. So um, with that in mind, you know, you, you have to have a process that you know that you need to stick to to perform in those games because, I mean, we can say it's just another game, but, but we know when it gets to October that, that it's really not. I came eight outs away from getting getting a ring i felt like i could see the light underneath the door uh and then it was slammed shut in our face or it was probably never really opened actually um but i'm as hungry as ever to to finish that uh finish that journey finish that challenge Uh, and in my opinion there there would be no better place to do it than new york oh yes fire up the music that gets you fired doesn't get me fired up i mean not for me 
They got Rick Porcello. He's good. Ba-ba-ba. Yeah. All right. Let's take it down. Hey, it's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Uh, I, look, some people want to t- chime in about the um, the Adam Gase points, and uh, I think it's fair. I, I, again, each individual guy, it's a small sample size, right? Like it's one year, but I think at this point there's enough guys where you're seeing that his time in Miami was it – was, he underachieved with the talent he had. It seemed like, yeah, well, you know, the quarterback was hurt a lot, and he was – but he didn't get anything close to that out of Ryan Tannehill when he was there and the other examples as well. And while Manish made it at the Daily News, he focused on the offensive guys. He's the head coach. All the players are under his his view. Uh, let's go to Brian on Long Island. Brian, what's going on, man? Hey, yeah, just another player that's flourishing outside of Gase. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, pro bowler now. Flourishing yeah. in Pittsburgh. And Gase said he didn't, uh, or Gase said that Pittsburgh's finally using him the right way. Right. Oh, the head, <laughs> the, the head coach didn't know how to use one of his star players? Yeah. Well, I, I, to me, Brian, I have to I have to be fair. I also think that that looks bad on the Miami organization because they could not get, here's a young guy that they just drafted the year before. They could not get that guy, even once Gase left, they could not get that guy on board, right? He wanted out of there. He, they, I mean, I guess they're not tanking, right? Because they've tried to win games, even though they've stripped down the roster. And to me, that's really a sign of a dysfunctional organization. The front office is approaching things one way, and the coach is approaching something completely. Doesn't everybody have to be on the same page? So I think that that one, Mika Fitzpatrick, I'll give Gase a pass on. And to me, that's much more of a knock that as soon as the new regime came on board, he's like, i got to get out of here. Uh, Let's go to Austin in Jersey. Austin, what's going on, man? Good morning, Gordon. Hey, it's a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you. I love hearing you. It's uh, excellent what you got to say day Thanks, in, day out. Appreciate it. Uh, longtime Dolphins fan, grew up in Florida. So this is nothing new when players leave Miami and they actually start excelling. Uh, Bill Belichick said it. Talent can't overcome bad coaching. So that's not nothing new when guys leave Miami and they start doing well. But Gase is just terrible. I mean, you, you can't do anything with Le'Veon Bell. Are you kidding me? Goodbye. You got to go. Yeah. That alone. It's just like, it's it's killing me. Yeah, and, and what's scary, and look, uh, you know, the list of guys that have succeeded after leaving Miami is a long one. It does not include Adam Gase, right? I mean, you can't put Adam Gase on that list. Uh, the thing that, that troubles you is that it seems like there's still two games to go, so who knows how things will turn out. But it certainly seems like Adam Gase will be back. And one of the reasons given has been, well, he has to institute what he wants to do. And what you've seen, at least from his time in Miami, is that that – that list of players that's like in his, you know, on board with him, they can be off that board very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. All right, so one other jet point, and I guess it kind of ties into the Giants as well. Matt Rule is a hot name, was one of the candidates for the Jets' job. They decided to go with Gaze, and is a name that's been brought up at least as a possibility for the Giants this offseason. Here is Matt Rule on Adam Schefter's podcast about becoming an NFL head coach. And maybe if you're a Giant fan hoping that Matt Rule is the guy, you shouldn't get your hopes up. I don't think I'm you know, dumb enough or naive enough to say that, that I would never be an NFL coach. Um, I just think, you know, for me, I have such an unbelievable situation here that it would have to be, it has to be next to perfect. And even then it would be hard for me to do because uh, we've, you mentioned kind of all the things that we've gotten done here. That took a lot of hard work. That yeah. took a lot of, you know, elbow grease. That was not easy. And so – to me, I want to I want to build off of that and see if we can go win a national championship. I mean, we were, we were one play away, literally one play away from from making it to the college football playoff, and man, I'd like to get that done. And so, 
Um, I don't ever say never. I don't make promises to our players. I don't, you know, when our players are, when they're up, you know, we have juniors that might want to go to the NFL. I tell them all the time, hey, explore all your options. So I, I would never say that I, I would never do it. But I'm really, really content with where we are. And I think that we can be even better in the coming years. And so um, it would have to be one of those, you know, idyllic situations where you feel like, hey, I can, I can not just go here and win. I can win at a high level for a sustained amount of time. Um, in order for me to ever leave here. All right, so there's Matt Rule on uh, the possibilities of him leaving now, and the Giants are certainly going to be looking for a coach. Here he is about what he learned on the process of becoming an NFL head coach by interviewing with the Jets. This is not going to make you feel all that good if you're a Jet fan either. Well, I, I think the first thing that I made sure my players understood was that, you know, um, it, you know, when NFL teams call a college coach or call a sitting head coach, it doesn't mean that necessarily you're interviewing with them. You know, you're just – you're listening to them and seeing their vision to see if, hey, is it what we just talked about? You know, right. and I think that's really where I formed this this belief. You know, understanding that, you know, in the NFL level, from the owner to the GM to the coach, but even beyond that, man, to the training room to the equipment, everybody has got to have the same uh, belief system, same alignment, and also the same sense of urgency. Yeah, so basically ties into what we kind of believed, right? Like uh, the, the report was the Jets wanted to pick his assistant coaches. He wasn't going to have total control, and that kind of ruled him out on uh, that possibility. I'm, I was hoping that Matt Rule would become the Giants coach. Not really anything uh, for Matt Rule. It's just, as a talk show host, I'm a selfish individual, and that would be a great storyline, right? The guy that the Jets passed on becomes the Giants coach. And not that there's really a, a rivalry between the two teams. They don't play all that often, but that's a fascinating topic, right? If he's if he's really, really good, oh, my gosh, look, the Jets blew it again. They decided to pass on this guy and look how great he is turning around a Giants team that's been terrible here for the last few years. Or if he's bad, it's kind of interesting, too. Well, at least the Jets knew not to pick this guy. So, but it doesn't look like that's going to be a possibility. It looks like, at least right now, he's not ruling anything out. It looks like he's going to remain at Baylor. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. A uh, couple of things, bullet points here. A, I heard yesterday, uh, and it was because of the Garrett Cole press conference, this is the greatest free agent pitcher who has ever been on the. I mean, that's not true. Even the most basic, not even investigation, just uh, memory. Greg Maddox was 26 years old when he hit free agency. He was coming off a Cy Young Award winning season with the Cubs. He had already at that point had another season where he finished top three in the Cy Young. He was the, I mean, you'd have to say he is the, if Garrett Cole was three years younger and had accomplished more, I mean, right? I mean, we're talking about Greg Maddox had won the Cy Young. Garrett Cole has not. As great as he is, and I think he's fantastic. I'm happy the Yankees signed him. I'm not regretting the signing at all. But I'm just saying that's not true. Just because Scott Boris says something uh, for, about one of his clients does not make that true. Secondly, does anybody else's BS detector kind of go off when it comes out that Daniel Jones now, he of the high ankle sprain, right? He had a high ankle sprain. It was questionable about whether or not he would ever play again this season because of that injury. Generally, those injuries are uh, ones that linger. And then all of a sudden, Eli Manning goes out, Giants get a win, Eli gets this amazing send-off, and then all of a sudden, boop, healed. He's 100% again. I don't know. It feels like a little feels a little fugazi to me. It doesn't feel fugazi to anybody else. Just as soon as he got a win, oh, look at that, he's healed. He's good to go back in there. 
especially after the weeks that Daniel Jones had. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm not saying that there was no injury, but maybe it wasn't nearly as serious. Maybe it was a little bit about sending – I mean, the Giants have made it clear in the past that they, they, they felt bad about everything that happened with Eli and getting benched by Ben McAdoo, and he got fired as a result of it and all those things. I don't know. It just feels a little fugazi to me. So finally, the Irishman, right? Last night was the big uh, – ESPN Christmas party. So I saw Don, saw a lot of people. It was great to see everybody. So, you know, we got around to talking about this little beef that we've had on the air about the Irishman. I would say he started it, but look, look, it's over with now. There's no need to go back and, and rehash feelings. But we talked about it, and he said that he had watched it in – I asked him, did you see it in one – even after this conversation, think about all the time that I've wasted, they've wasted on this topic. I don't think waste, but, you know, spent on this topic. And Don has never said, well, the reason why this movie is great is this, this, and that. But, you know, I, I wanted to find out more about why he was so adamant about it. And uh, he did watch it in one sitting, which I do think, although at three and a half hours, it's a little tough, right? But he had the time to do it. I think that that will help you if you can sit through, especially the first hour, which is just a drag. I think that that would help have some emotional impact. If you break it up, I think that the emotional impact you're going to have in any movie is always going to be. But I, I got around, and this is one question that I ask people because people generally have reacted to me saying it's terrible. As, oh, you, you're being too hard on it. You're being too hard on it. But what I will say is that um, I'll always ask them, well, did you watch it? Have you, would, would you watch it again? And generally their answer has been, no, I don't think I will. I asked Don last night, I said, well, will you watch it again? Oh, no, no, no. Well, then that tells you it's not a great movie. That's not a classic movie. He's a guy, much like all of us, right? Like, what do we, if you come home at 1 o'clock in the morning, right, and you have to be up for work at, say, 7, and you're flipping and you're doing the roundup on the TV, and you come across Goodfellas, you know, I know, we're all going to sit and say, you know what, I'll just watch it to this scene. I'll just watch it until Carbone is uh, in the in the meat locker. I'll just watch it until, until um, you know, whatever scene you want to, I don't know what point you come in in the movie. That's a classic movie. That's how you know it's a classic movie, that you'll go back and you'll sit and you'll watch it. And even some movies that I don't think are necessarily classics, Casino is another one. I don't think it's necessarily a classic. It's a lot better than the Irishman. But... If you come home and it's on, you all right, I'll just watch this scene or that scene. That to me – now there are some movies that are tough to do that, right? Like Saving Private Ryan, great movie, tough topic. Deer Hunter, same thing, tough topic. You're not going to sit and – it doesn't have great rewatchability. But uh, I think that – Brian, I think it's pretty clear now. I can – I think the victory has been decided, right? Of course. Right. So he will never watch it again. I mean, he said he, he brushed it aside like I was being ridiculous. Oh no, I'm not gonna watch it. So again. it's not a masterpiece. It's not. It's not. I mean, come on. I, I know I said I wasn't gonna go back to it, but I felt like this. I mean, to 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 quote another, you know, acting movie that you would think would be great and wasn't great. It was a huge disappointment. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. So that's it. That's the final time I am talking about it. I promise. In fact. It's the final time I'm talking about anything today because the show is over. Please vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. We'll see you tomorrow, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.